I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't know what to do if I have a Saturday and I'm not digging in the dirt in the cemetery. It's not. <laughs> I feel lost. <laughs> You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. Diane Leary is vice president of the Vermont Old Cemetery Association, an organization founded in 1958 by her grandfather, University of Vermont professor Leon W. Dean. Called VOCA for short, the Vermont Old Cemetery Association restores and preserves public and private cemeteries that are neglected, abandoned, or just in need of some TLC. I met Diane for the first time in September at Lakeview Cemetery in Burlington. There, she and a group of volunteers helped restore and reset nearly 50 gravestone markers. The plots they attended to belonged to children who were residents of the Home for Destitute Children, an orphanage that operated between 1865 until 1941. Vermont has a lot of cemeteries. Whether you're in Burlington, Barton, or Bennington, you can find them all over Vermont. In fact, there are about 2,000 cemeteries across the state. Back in September, I visited West Street Cemetery in Rutland with Tom Giffen. He's the president of VOCA. He pointed out to me as we were walking around West Street Cemetery that cemeteries are becoming historic sites. I think that's a reasonable statement. The National Funeral Directors Association reports that by 2035, nearly 80% of Americans will opt for cremation instead of burial. So it's understandable why Tom sees it that way. Diane Leary also sees old cemeteries as works of beauty and art. She joined VOCA in 2009, and she volunteers her time in cemeteries just about every Saturday between mid-May and early October. We met up a couple weeks ago at her home in Charlotte to talk about her grandfather's mission to protect and restore Vermont cemeteries and what working in cemeteries means to her. Here's Diane. For me, I know one of the things I really enjoy is the challenge of writing a stone. I'm a very tiny human, and I'm 64 years old, so I can't do big gravestones. So I only do little ones, and the small ones usually don't break. I know how to repair broken stones, but they don't have as far as to fall. They don't have the weight, you know. So, but... When you lay that layer of stone down and you pick up the stone that you pulled out of the hole and you set it up and it just stands up straight, it's just a sense of accomplishment, you know, that, yeah, it's all perfectly level. I did it right. It's, yeah, because yeah. it's not easy to do. You dig a hole, but the ground isn't level. The vegetation around you isn't level. The stones around you aren't straight and level. Nothing gives you perspective except your experience that that layer of stone I've put down is level. And you check it, but I'm usually really darn close when How I do check, you check it. it? With a level. With a level, okay. Yep, yep. you stick a level down there. Okay. Yeah, and so I really enjoy that challenge. It's fun, and it just, I feel like... The people that are buried in these cemeteries, they're the people that laid the foundation, as well as the indigenous people, we've got to recognize that, laid this foundation and built upon it to make it the state that we love to live in and want to be here. 
And their final home needs to be respected and taken care of. These cemeteries should not be abandoned and in disarray and forgotten. So that's, yeah, where I come from with that. When I met you for the first time at the Lakeview Cemetery, that's not an abandoned cemetery, but when Voca was there helping out that day in September, I was struck by the sense of camaraderie in the group and all these really nice people. And I thought, you know, it would be a really sad occasion, but it was really very lovely. And I think people felt fulfilled and they felt happy. They were, you know, doing something and you could really feel that. Doing something that matters and makes a difference. Yeah. 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 We all just really get along great. And Yeah. yeah. How many volunteers are there roughly? There's a core group of, it's probably up to about eight of us that really go pretty much every single weekend. Mm-hmm. And then there's others that will show up if it's near their area. Near their area. Yep. Was there ever a particular abandoned cemetery that you went to that just left this, you know, it was a really profound experience for you or had this sort of lasting impact on you or... I've only done one abandoned cemetery, and that was the Amos Callender Cemetery in Shoreham on Laugham Road. But it was a really good feeling after two or three work days of cutting back all the sumac and in the fall and treating the stumps with Roundup so it won't grow back. And all of a sudden you can see the stones. (laughs) Yep. And he was a very important member of the town of Shoreham, early Shoreham. He was the postmaster general. He was one of the founders. He was a Green Mountain boy. He went over with Ethan Allen into the Fort Ticonderoga. Yeah. So, and his family plot is completely abandoned. This incredible man. Wow. Yep. And his family. Yeah. It's just sad, but now it's all set. Are a lot of the or most of the cemeteries you work at privately owned by a family or the town? Like, what's the setup usually? We mostly seem to go into town-owned cemeteries. Once in a while, a private organization will reach out to us, but they seem not to as much. Okay. Yeah. Like, because I imagine you don't do it in the winter. I'm on the Facebook page. I think. Did you just have your final? We did October first. October first. So, do you miss it in the winter? No, because uh, <laughs> by, although I just spent seven hours last week in the cemetery up the road from us, I still keep doing that cemetery until the weather gets stinky. But by October, you want a break. Right. Yeah, yeah, because it's been every single Saturday since early, mid-May, depending on the weather. Yeah. What are some towns you've been to over this past summer? Clarendon, Rutland, Hardwick, Island Pond, Burlington, Milton, Moncton, Chalot. There's others. Yeah. So all over. Cemeteries are in every town. Some have more than one. What do you like most about cemeteries? I like the quiet and the peace of them. Yeah. I'm an introvert. (laughs) I could spend my life alone in a cabin in the woods. (laughs) 
Christopher's rule. Well, it is. It's nice, quiet work because you're, or you could be together, but kind of working quietly. I actually go off by myself every (laughs) cemetery workday. Yes. You do? I do. Diane told me that in 1948, her grandfather went on a quest to find an abandoned cemetery in Moncton, where some of his ancestors were buried. At that point, he was in his late 50s and a survivor of tuberculosis. Ten years later, in 1958, Voca was born. So his name was Leon W. Dean, and it was just W. (laughs) There was no middle name. Yep. Yes. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. That was his middle initial. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. It's funny on his Mount Hermon Academy application, they wrote him back and asked what his middle name was. (laughs) So he graduated there in 1911. So yeah, very long time ago. So he was a professor of English at the University of Vermont, and he taught writing, not the literature part of English, and a lot of short story and creative writing and journalism. I can only speculate with some education about how VOCA was all started. I was only six months old when he founded the organization, but this past winter, I received all the VOCA scrapbooks. So I spent this past winter, reading all the articles in the scrapbooks, I don't know, there was like six of them. And I ended up writing an article for the newsletter about it. So what I know is in 1948, well, I should backpedal a little. He loved Vermont. He loved Vermont history. He spent his life preserving Vermont history. And His first published article that I've found was in 1921, so he was only 26 years old. And it was about Rock Dunder off Shelburne Point and how it got its name. So that tells me at a very young age, he was interested in Vermont history. So in 1948, he's tromping around in the wilds of Moncton, trying to find a cemetery where some of his ancestors are buried. And he's literally crawling through the underbrush and, you know, whacking through the shrubbery, trying to find this cemetery. And I suspect that that was not an isolated incident, but that kind of activity, because he did our family genealogy very extensively, made him aware of the neglect and abandonment of all of these Vermont old cemeteries. And so I strongly believe that somewhere along the line, one of those or the multitude of them sparked that interest and knowledge that someone needs to do something about this. And of course, my grandfather, well, that'll be me. I'm sure he said that to himself. So that's 1948. And in 1949, my grandfather's father passed away when he was only 10 and a half. And Governor Weeks of Vermont became his guardian. And in 1949, he had to sit down with Governor Weeks. I don't know what about and why it came about, but he talked in this sit-down meeting with him about this neglect and abandonment, and he'd like to form an organization to preserve 
and get these cemeteries back in good shape. And Governor Weeks kind of just responds, well, what are you waiting for? (laughs) But it took him nine more years before he founded Volca in October of 1958. But I, again, I'm only speculating. He still had children at home. He was still working. But by 1958, all his children have left the house. They're full adults. I mean, my mom's already married with four children. (laughs) Yeah, and her two younger sisters are gone, and he's retired from UVM. So I think he probably, he had time, yeah, to make it happen. Yeah, and so he had a meeting at UVM, and 11 people showed up besides him. So there were 12 people at the meeting, and everybody joined and they decided to form this organization. Did that spark a interest in you as a child? Like, oh, my grandfather is going out in cemeteries. Like, what about you? Well, yeah, there was this thing that my grandfather did with his three daughters where they went around every Memorial Day and planted geraniums on all their relatives' graves. A lot of them are in Bristol. He grew up in Bristol, and there's a lot in Moncton and a few in Cornwall. And when we were children, myself and my four brothers, every Memorial Day weekend, we went to visit my dad's parents in New Bedford, Mass. But we would stop on the way in Attleboro, Mass, where a lot of my dad's relatives are buried. I don't personally remember planting red geraniums, but I do remember bringing flowers and stuff. And then we grew up in Connecticut, but I moved up here. And when my mom moved up, we started going around and planting the red geraniums at all of those grave sites. And then my mom passed away, but I kept doing it. Then her younger sister moved back to Vermont and we do it. She's still alive. And we actually expanded it to putting wreaths on the cemeteries in the winter before Christmas. It's really nice. Were most of these cemeteries in Chittenden County, Addison County, or did you go all over? Most are in Addison Addison. because he grew up in Bristol. So there's a lot of his relatives in that giant evergreen cemetery in Bristol there. And so my grandfather's family's been here quite a while. My mom was a sixth generation Vermonter. When we met at Lakeview Last month, I think it was yep. last month. September 10th. September yep. 10th, thank you. You told me that you got involved really in VOCA, or maybe more involved, I don't know, but because you became an empty nester. Yeah. Is that accurate? I finally had time. Yes, that's accurate. I had time and I had a life. <laughs> I got my life back. <laughs> what I first did was I went to a meeting with my aunt that I go around with. Her name is Lorna. And we went to a meeting, it was in Williamstown in 2009, to kind of scope out VOCA <laughs> and see how they were doing. And they were doing really well. So we both joined, and immediately I became a board member. But I think it was a year or two before I started actually working in the cemeteries. Yeah, and uh, it's just addicting. So when you're working in a cemetery, talk to me about what you have to do to, say, clean a gravestone. What do you do? Can I start with the don'ts? Yes. Because that's really important. You don't want to use any chemical cleaners, any household cleaners. 
Do not use bleach. Do not use shaving cream. Stone is porous. Even the granite that's a really hard stone is porous. But the old stones in this state, you know, they were carved by hand. They used marble and they used slate and they're soft. So the chemicals, when you spray it on, get into the stone and they cause it to deteriorate. So just use water. There is one researched, approved cleaner that we use called D2. It's what they use in Arlington and Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's why everything's so beautiful and white. Yeah. What is the mineral that gets on the cemetery stones? Begins with like an L. The lichens? Lichens. Yeah, yeah. there's lichens what is that? and moss. That's oh, a plant. That's a plant. Okay. Yeah, it does not have any roots. Neither does moss. It's bad in the sense that they retain water. Yeah, and they will slowly cause damage because of that, mostly. Is that usually what people are trying to clean off a stone? Yeah. Yeah. And it gets this black. I always wanted to know what it is, but I've never taken the time to actually look. It looks like a mold. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. And that's especially very prevalent on the marble stones. So don't use any chemicals. Don't use any wire brushes. Only use a stiff plastic bristled brush. Plastic scrapers are fine for getting the lichen and moss off. Don't use any metal scrapers like metal putty knives and stuff. Those are the good ones, those putty scrapers for, you know, your joint compound on sheetrock. They work really well. So how to clean a stone? There's a couple of ways. We, like I say, Volca uses D2 and only D2. There are other things out there. They haven't been researched, so we can't you approve them, you know, as an organization. We just can't. So you can use them at your own risk. I like the easy way. You just take D2 as a biocide. It's a biological element that kills the lichens and the moss and the mold and stuff. You can just spray it on and walk away and it'll do its thing. And within a few months to a year, the stone will look amazing. It's so easy. You can get so many stones done by just spraying them. And the other method is to spray the stone, let the D2 set for five to 10 minutes. If it started to dry, spray it again and take your brush with the stiff plastic bristles and just start cleaning like you would back and forth, circular. If you need to get into small spaces, toothbrushes work well. Yeah. When you spray, you want to start at the bottom and work your way up so you don't get drips. That's anything when you clean your windows. If you do, you'd start at the bottom and go up so you don't get streaks. You know, if the bottom's wet and you spray up, it drips down, but it's already wet, so you're not going to get streaked. Yeah. And then so you take your brush and work in a circular motion and get it clean and you can spray it again with the D2 and let it set a little bit and then you rinse it off with water and it'll look really good right away and within a couple weeks it can look amazing. And when you have your work days with Voca, are you cleaning and then also fixing stones that have maybe broken or fallen over? Every cemetery in Vermont, which there's approximately 2,000 of them, they all have the same problems pretty much. And it's 
stones that have fallen over and not broken, stones that have fallen and broken, broken stones, leaning stones, and, you know, stones that need to be cleaned. And we do it all, and we teach town volunteers how to do it so that hopefully, like in Virgen's and Hardwick, they're kind of independent now. They know what to do, which is great. That's our goal. Yeah. Right. To have that happen. So we teach it all, but what you want to do, if you are independent and know what to do, is you get the leaners first. You don't want them to fall and break. So your heart goes out to looking at a stone on the ground, but just leave it because it's not going to go anywhere. And get those leaners first and straighten them up so they don't fall over and break. Because once it's broken, it's broken. Even though you repair it, it's still got the crack is visible no matter what you do. Right. Yeah. And some of them, when they fall, break in many pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tom, your fearless leader had mentioned to me when I was talking to him, and I thought it was such an interesting perspective. He said, cemeteries are kind of becoming like historic sites in Vermont because more people are getting cremated. People maybe, you know, the cost of burial or things like that. And they're historic in a way that, you know, they're people who, you know, from a hundred or more years ago, many years ago are buried there. But do you see it that way too? I've never thought about it, but he's right. He's right. Yeah. There are definitely places of art. The iconography on these stones, it's amazing. And they did it by hand. It's crazy. Incredibly skilled people. And some and there's several in Barber's cemetery right up the road from us. Signed, they have their names on the bottom of the stones. It's really interesting. The people who carved them. Really? Yep. Oh wow. It's cool to see that. That yeah. is. Wow. Yeah. So, but he's definitely right. They are. There are incredibly amazing people buried in our cemeteries. You know, we had that big thing in Weybridge where we had to move a cemetery that was sliding into Otter Creek. There was two veterans in there that we know of. One of them was at the Battle of Bunker Hill. The other was at Lexington and Concord. I have goosebumps. (laughs) There's... A soldier in a Rochester cemetery that was at the Battle of Bunker Hill. And there's a Buffalo soldier up in Greenmount Cemetery besides Ethan Allen. It's all over in this state, these amazing people Mm -hmm. who did this stuff. It's crazy. What do you feel when you see a gravestone that has someone like that? Do you get goosebumps? I do. And I'm also standing there in awe of them. And I'm very grateful. Yeah. For what they did. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't believe in war, but it seems to happen all the time. And I mean, I'm proud of my paternal grandfathers and my father's service. I'm proud of them. And I'm proud of all my ancestors. I have six Revolutionary War ancestors that I know of. Yeah, some of them were Green Mountain Boys. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's impressive. Pretty, pretty cool. Do you have a favorite cemetery? Barnum Town in Moncton. Yeah. That's it is. Yeah. Do you sometimes go there just to walk or? It's not that big, but I go over there a lot to work and stuff. And all my ancestors are there. I tend to say hi. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. For sure. Yeah. 
My mom is, she died earlier this year. And she's, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it was awful. It and, is. Uh, she's buried in Delwood Cemetery down in yep. Manchester, which is just beautiful. And it's no coincidence that I'm suddenly interested in cemeteries. So like, so every time I go to Manchester, I always stop and see her at the cemetery and, and then seeing all the, you know, the stones and, and it is so interesting. They're beautiful places. But I wonder if some people would say, oh, well, cemeteries are such sad places. You know, how can you spend every Saturday in a, in a cemetery? Do you see cemeteries as sad places? They are. I was just working in Barber Cemetery this week, and I came across a stone. Oh, gosh, it just brought tears to my eyes. But you also have to block it out, which is what you do. But in 1824, their 20-month-old child passed away. And in 1830, in October, they lost two more children two weeks apart. So probably an infectious disease. But it breaks your heart when you see those. I try to turn it around, especially working in Lakeview with the Home for Destitute Children Stones. That was just a very, very moving project for us. It was very heartfelt. It went really to the core of our guts that... This is one of the most meaningful projects we ever worked on, to see the stone of baby Ruth and baby Harry, and they never had a chance in life. And the best we can give them is, you're being taken care of now. We care, still, over 100 years later. And hopefully someone in the future will still care. You can learn more about VOCA and volunteering by visiting VOCA58.org. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. And if you have a story idea, feedback, or just want to say hello, please email me at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and talk to you soon. Happy Vermont.